Hey guys, just a heads up, the episode you're about to listen to was recorded a few weeks ago. It's a mostly interview episode between myself and two friends about when you know it's time to make a change for work. The interviews are great and are very informative, but let's not forget, Black Lives Still Matter. And if you're looking for ways to be an effective ally, be sure to check out the website blacklivesmatter.carrd.co forward slash. That's blacklivesmatter.carrd.co forward slash. You're listening to 20-something pod with Gloria Mateo. Welcome back to 20-something pod. I hope you guys are doing well. So I don't know about you guys, but one of the things I've been doing during this quarantine is catching up with some old friends, specifically friends who used to live in Ottawa, Canada, which in case you don't know is where I live, but have since moved to other cities. The conversations all start off relatively similar. Yeah, how's your morning been? Um, good. I did a great interview with a guy in Italy that I'm booking on the hey, show this week. How are you? He How have you been doing? Is in, in quarantine the ghetto, etc. etc. Et and so he went there at the beginning of February and got stuck there. Oh my gosh. How are you doing? As the conversation progresses though, it starts to evolve to focus on something else. Each person's individual experience with moving and more specifically, moving for work. So it's no secret that a lot of people have lost their jobs due to the coronavirus pandemic. Some provinces are reporting some of their highest unemployment rate in a long time. It's also been reported that the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, which is Canada's financial aid plan to help those who have been affected by the pandemic, received over 14 million applications and counting. That's crazy. All that to say, the job market coming out of quarantine is going to be the most competitive it's been in a long time. Most people, myself included, are using this time to figure out what their next steps are. People are wondering if they should stay at their current jobs or if they should switch careers. The reality is that for some of us, getting a job in a post-COVID-19 economy might mean moving cities or even countries, depending on what industry you work for. So to prepare for this reality, I called up a couple of friends to ask them about their experience with moving for work. We discuss how you know it's time to move and some potential challenges that come with change. It was an incredible conversation and, of course, quickly became a podcast episode idea. So without further ado, meet Spencer and Shangi. So my name is Spencer Van Dyke. I'm from London, Ontario originally, originally, but then I was in Ottawa for eight years. I did my undergrad there in international affairs and then I did my master's in journalism then I headed out west. I was in Banff for a year. Then I headed back east. I was in Quebec City for a year. And now I'm in the eastern townships in Sherbrooke. So I'm a journalist. I'm working with uh, CBC Radio now. When I was in Ottawa, I moved and I did a year abroad in Spain. But that was in my early 20s. And now from being 27 to 30, I've now moved every 12 months. Moving so often. I mean, personally, you have to like start building a friend group and start right. building a community and starting from scratch with all of those things and that can be really challenging especially because sometimes like I work so much right that sometimes you're like I don't want to make new friends like I don't want to go out and like have to make a conversation and, and meet new people sometimes you just like want to be a homebody so that yeah. part of it is difficult. And the other part is like on the work side, I never take my vacation days. I never right. do. And I'm someone who's used to traveling so much. Right. That, wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And then it's like when you move a lot too, it's just kind of like, okay, I guess if I take any time off, it's going to be to 
go back to Ottawa or go back to London and visit my family. You know, it's like your vacation time all of a sudden becomes like visiting places you've already lived as opposed to saying like, hey, there's a place that I would really like to see. I'm Shangi Sakupwanya. I work for a tech company called Slack in customer success. Customer success, I describe it as a lot of uh, customer handholding. So you want to think of an account executive as the boyfriend that reels them in. And then uh, customer success are the husbands that keep them happy for the long term. So that's my job. So it was 2017. And um, Ira and I went on this big trip to the motherland because our respective siblings incidentally we're getting married on the same day we decided a week prior let's just hang out and sort of you know shoot the breeze in Cape Town South Africa so we're in Cape Town for about a week and when we were there I feel like we it was our eat pray love trip because we sort of got to sit with ourselves and Mm. do an assessment of you know what we wanted out of life and what we wanted I think we had both gone through our first job post-university in Ottawa And after about both of us, about two and a half years in those roles, we were reaching that tension point Mm. where you're like, okay, what's next? After feeling like you had learned all you could potentially learn in that particular role. So you were at a tension point of what next do I stay and, you know, dig deep within this company or where do I go next sort of in my career? Mm. We were always big city girls and we were, the lore of the big city was calling us. Mm. And even more so, just what we wanted out of our career, there were limited options to see that come to pass in Ottawa. So to give ourselves, you know, an almost more opportunity, we sort of had to make, you know, come to the tough decision of deciding to start looking into moving into Toronto. And actually about three and a half months after that trip, we both got like jobs within three weeks of each other and subsequently moved to Toronto together in the fall of 2017. Once I got an understanding of what inspired their individual moves, we start to talk about career discontentment, what it looks like, and how to recognize it in your life. Here's what they both had to say on the subject matter. I think it's hard for people to distinguish between discontentment in their work and in their personal lives, especially if you've moved to another city for that job. And I think it's sometimes hard to tell if it's the job or the personal side that is the issue. In your career, I think it's when you, like, as as I said before, I think it's when you stop moving forward. And if you take a step back and you think to yourself, like, am I doing my best? Am I learning? Am I contributing? Am I serving my purpose? Like, what is the goal here that you're trying to achieve? And if you can honestly answer those questions, then you're far ahead of the game in being able to think about, like, Am I discontent or am I just like bored? Like what part of my life do I need to make a change in? And it takes a lot of introspection and honest conversation kind of with yourself. But sometimes it's like you are the issue. So confronting that and being honest about it, I think it puts like pushes you forward in in trying to figure out where the problems are. I was thinking uh, about the conversation that we had last week about when I decided to move to Quebec City from Banff. I think that when I was in Banff, I wasn't discontent with my job. Like I loved my job. It was so much work. Like I was working 70 hours a week. I was the only reporter. It was a lot and I didn't have any days off. Like I was just like on call, busy working all the time, but I loved it. It was such a great time, but I reached a point where when I was looking at my actual work life, 
it wasn't the hours that was the issue. It was the fact that I was like, I'm working so hard. And at a certain point, I'm not actually improving. Like this is as far as it's going to go. So what's the point of putting in another however many 70 hour weeks just to feel like I was staying in the same place? And that was when I was like, okay, it's time not only for uh, a change of job and a change of scenery, but like, let's get into broadcast. Like, let's see how things go working in radio. And like, and so now I'm in a couple of weeks, I'll be two years in and I still feel like I'm constantly learning and challenging myself and improving. And I think that that's the marker of, uh, of whether or not it's time for a change. Funny enough, I studied political science um, in uh, at Carleton. So plot twist there because I'm not at all plot twist. I'm not at all using my degree now. But I think what I loved about studying political science is I think one thing I learned about my whole experience is you can learn soft skills and make them transferable into whatever else you want to pursue down the line. Right. I think what my degree did teach me was analytical thinking, was stringing together coherent thought, was becoming a good writer. Mm. And I parlayed that into a completely different career that was so removed from government. Right. I think I went in at 18, came out at about 23, and had a come to Jesus moment of like realizing I had changed and that for who my personality was, government was just not a good fit. Mm. And then switched into my first career out of uni, which was working as a um, customer experience manager at Nordstrom. Right. So again, that whole idea of like diplom- using diplomacy in your career translated itself into customer experience, which is its own version of diplomacy, except instead of dealing with countries, you're dealing with irate customers <laughs> and you know, angry soccer moms. Right. <laughs> so that became my career for about two and a half years. But I think one thing that I've always tried to do was an audit of my life and do an audit of my decisions to make sure that everything I'm doing, I'm doing with intention and I'm choosing my life intentionally right. rather than falling into it. Mm. Um, because I think for me, where you will start finding signs of discontentment is a, a restlessness that won't quit mm. um at least that was what it was for me because on the surface like i my life was i was very content in ottawa i had a well-paying job i loved where i lived i had a great network of friends but i had this restlessness that wouldn't quit for something else mm. and nothing could quiet it nothing could even the thought of getting promoted within ottawa wasn't enough to stop the restlessness of I want more and I want more somewhere else. Nothing could fulfill that restlessness until I said, okay, what does more look like for me? And I think more looks like understanding that I thrived in big cities, understanding that I loved my job, but I hated the industry I was in. Mm. And I always had a passion for tech. And so that restlessness will make you so uncomfortable that you're going to have to start assessing wow. your life choices. And I think that is the biggest sign of discontentment is restlessness because it makes you uncomfortable. You're not settled by anything. Right. And to get yourself back to a place of feeling settled, you will do something to affect change in your life. No, it's so true. And I think for so for so many people, you feel that, but there's this almost sort of hesitancy right. to take the next steps. There's like a there's like a freaking out 
you know, of like, what if it doesn't work out? Or what if I just looking at the grass is greener, but it's not, you know what I mean? And I had all of those things for all intents purposes. I had a great life in Ottawa. To most people, I had no reason, no logical reason to leave. But like I said, that restlessness is a powerful motivator, at least it was for me, to ask myself the tough questions of really what do you want from your life and for your life? Mm. And are the goals you want for yourself, are they lining up with your current environment? Coming up, more of my conversation with Spencer and Shangi. So I think when I was starting to look, you know, at Slack, I reached out to friends of mine who are in the tech industry to give me an idea of what working in tech looked like. I also did my own research extensively about the company before I ever went after them. I needed to understand their mentality around customer experience. I needed to understand what was important to them. I needed to understand what their values were as a company so I could speak to them and say, okay, I see you value this. I will come and add and contribute to that value if you hire me. I also used LinkedIn quite extensively. And if you've never used it before, LinkedIn Premium is your best friend. So when I tell you I lived on Via Rail, like, so I'd hop on the train at 6 a.m., get to Toronto around 11, interview, hop back on the train at 6, to get back to Toronto, I mean, to Ottawa at 10, and then work the next day. In my conversation with Spencer and Shangi, I brought up some of the reservations I've had in the past about moving. So I've been in Ottawa for about eight years now. And if you're anything like me, the thought of change is always initially scary, especially change that seems forced, that seems out of your control. I asked them to weigh in on some of the reasons people are afraid to move. I think it pretty much always comes down to fear. Like you said, people get so comfortable And they're so afraid of what happens if they change anything. Right. And I totally get that. I'm also just a bit of an insane person (laughs) that when I don't have that fear, that's kind of when I start to cringe a little Mm. bit and be like, I need to intentionally put myself out of my comfort zone because I know that I am someone who can be much more of a homebody. I can be introverted. I can be just like lazy and tired and comfortable Mm. and get just so used to my day-to-day and what I'm doing that at a certain point, it's just like, you just have to do the thing that makes you afraid. Right. And just, and see what happens. I have never not had it work out for me when I've just said, this scares the shit out of me, but I'm going to do it anyways. Wow it always has a way of working itself out. And like, and the other thing too is I think people just have a fear of not necessarily not liking what they're doing or thinking that they made a a wrong choice, but having a fear of failure. Right. Which is another big thing for me too. Like I, um, when I was working at the Fulcrum at the University of Ottawa, um, I had been working there for a year and I applied to be the news editor and I didn't get it. And I was like high key devastated like it was I was so upset especially because like 
I'm extremely competitive and, you know, yeah. I'm kind of petty and I'm and brilliant. And yeah. well, well, and I was just like, I would do a better job than the person right. who got it, which like is a whole other conversation. But even though that felt like a failure to me, I got a different job with the fulcrum and I ended up being there. Um, uh, I forget what the job, the job title is called now, but basically I was one of like the general mm. reporters. I think that they call it like their staff writer or something like that. And so that gave me the chance to write for all the different sections of the paper. And because I decided to then stay, stick around for another year, I added a minor to my undergraduate program and continued going to school. And then the following year, I got the news editor job. And then I stuck around for another year and I decided to work as the online editor. And it's like, had I not had that initial failure or what I thought was a failure I wouldn't have done my undergrad I wouldn't have like or added my minor I wouldn't have stayed in Ottawa as long as I did and Mm. who knows whether I would have decided to do a master's in journalism like at that point I really could have done anything people get freaked out not knowing what the next step is Mm. but I think not knowing what the next step is sometimes is okay can you speak to some of the things that sort of kept you back from acting on the initial feeling it's the fear of the unknown, right? Toronto is this big giant city, whereas I'd spent eight years, Mm. you know, building relationships in Ottawa, very well established in my career. I was on a path. Toronto was this big unknown. Mm. I didn't have a job. I would be starting again socially in, you know, creating a new network of friends. And those are all the things that make your life worthwhile, right? It's not like these are small things. Like, you know, you can be in the best city in the world, but know no one and it diminishes the experience. No, totally. I had to understand and realize what I was, whether or not I was willing to give up those things. A hundred percent. To chase my goals, because anything you want comes with some modicum of sacrifice, like anything mm. you want and anything worth achieving, whether it's your time, whether it's friendships, whether it's a life you knew before. I finally got to a stage where I was more comfortable with the unknown than satisfied with my current circumstances. And that made me leave. Okay. So then you finally were like, I'm going to do this. And then you moved. Can you bring us in on some of the practical steps? Like what did you have to do? And and what are kind of like practically, what, what does it look like when you move for work? It's more than just you make the decision, but then you also have to mentally prepare yourself in several ways. Because once you do overcome that initial fear of the unknown, One practical thing is if you can always move with a job, that's one less mental Hmm. unknown to this place you probably never lived in that you can at least have a insurance plan with. I have one less thing to worry about. I'm employed. Okay, check. The other thing that comes with employment is in all likelihood, if you are lucky, you arrive with some form of a social network in your coworkers, if you're lucky. Right. So that's another thing Hmm. that's taken care of in moving with a job. And then the other thing I would recommend from a financial standpoint is in the event that you are moving without a job, financially, are you okay to move without a job? Because leaving with no financial plan is setting yourself up to fail if you don't have family to fall back on or if you don't have the promise of a future job or it's Mm -hmm. it's going to diminish... Of like consistent pay. consistent pay because it's going to diminish your first few months there because all you're going to be stressing about is making ends meet. So you already have, you know, the pressures of thinking, okay, I'm in this place that I don't know. Now I don't have a job. Now I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. Now I don't have a social network to rely on. So 
you want to take away as many stresses as you can for yourself before you ever land in a new environment that will naturally present many other different stressors anyway make sure you have a fallback plan or at least a soft place to land in either family or friends just don't go cold turkey and arrive in a new city with no money if it can be avoided and i think the other thing you should realize is don't be surprised if you get there and you miss where you're coming from mm. because we tend to romanticize our past always right. the minute we're faced with something that's unfamiliar we miss the thing we're coming from because mm. at least we knew what that thing looked like right. and felt like totally so when i landed in toronto i for my first maybe 4 months i was very homesick for ottawa words i never thought i'd say like i right. left in this like <laughs> early days i was like peace I'm yeah out. right off to my new adventure in toronto but then i got to i got to um toronto and i was like oh my gosh i miss i miss ottawa right and of course i did because you know nostalgia is a romantic concept you're missing you suddenly have these rose tinted glasses and you're missing right. this romanticized version of the place you're leaving totally yeah i think in general there is a there's a, a belief system if you will that millennials are less commitment people. So a lot of work people will be like, "Oh, you know, careful if you have a millennial working for you." They have this like, uh, you know, grass is greener mentality where they jump from job to job. I wonder if you can kind of speak to if you think that's a good thing that millennials have a sort of jump to jump to jump tendency. I feel like our generation is a lot more honest than in some ways than previous generations hmm. because I think maybe some generations the mindset at the time was you get into a job you're grateful for the job you commit years to the job whether or not you're happy satisfied enjoying right. it whether or not it aligns with personal goals you had for yourself you just have to view employment as this thing to endure and it paid the bills right i think the what's different about millennials is that we're very introspective and our values are not just tied to our personal realm our values and sense of self is tied to our 9 to 5 such that we don't leave the self on sunday mm. when we walk into work on monday we take that into our everyday and that's why we invest right. so much in feeling like connected to our jobs and more than just it pays the bills or it's a place for me to go and spend mm. my 9 to 5 at we we our values are are in our self worth and our understanding of the world is m- way more interconnected than i think previous generations experienced the world therefore i think it almost makes sense in a way that like right. when we introspect and we feel we have strived and learned almost all there is to learn in a role these chances are that yes we might decide to make that move but i also say that with caution because you also have to then think about it on the flip side of explaining that story and that narrative and making sure right that you really have done the introspection on the work of this of making sure you're leaving for the right reasons. Ultimately, both Spencer and Shangi love their new cities. It wasn't always easy, especially for Shangi who had to work her way up when she switched industries and took the job at Slack. When I moved initially to Slack, I had to take a step down. This would be hopefully valuable to someone, but I was the manager when I worked at Nordstrom like I was For lack of a better word, I was at the top of the food chain, and like right. in terms of the reporting order, I was like the third person the whole store reported reported to, like, and it felt great. Right. But I knew when I moved to when I switched to industries, 
I would have to take a career step back and sort of earn my stripes in that industry mm. to make that switch. And I think I'm, I mentally, I understood that, but then living it, especially for that first year, was very hard. There were moments where I was like, I'm going to quit Slack. I don't want to work with yeah. this company anymore. It's not what I thought it was. I didn't right. know who I am. I used to manage. And right. now you're telling me I have a manager. And sometimes this manager was the same age as me. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I ran a whole team and you're trying to tell me about, you know, but I still in, incidentally had to draw on that confidence to say, this is temporary. And you knew going in that you were paying your dues and you were more than capable right. to re. You have to keep banking on yourself. But she pushed through and remained committed and got a promotion one year into working at Slack. For Spencer, her challenges come more from the effects of moving on her personal life. Yeah, it's super fun. The existential dread is like ever present. It's totally fine. It's, it's weird. Every single time that I have moved, people have been like, once you move, that's when you're going to find your husband. Right. And I'm like, dude, no, where is he, though? Right. For real. Like, how many more times do I have to move? So, yeah, it's uh, that's a whole other side of, of that discussion. But the fact is, Tinder is everywhere, right. and so are dirty bars and Canadian guys posting pictures of themselves holding a fish they caught. So it's like, that is universal. I think what I got most from my conversation with these women is that the fear of change is always going to be there. As humans, we have a tendency to want to feel ready or want to change according to our timeline. But some change does have to be forced. That feeling of wanting to be ready just doesn't always apply. Hopefully, if you're listening to this episode, it gives you the courage to take your next step, whatever that looks like for you. Big thank you to both of my guests, Spencer and Shangi, for sharing their experience candidly on this episode. Don't forget, if you haven't yet, smash that subscribe button and leave a rating on your listening platform of choice. Also, share the episode online and tag me in it. The Instagram is at 20somethingpod. Thank you to my editor and Catherine Desolme. As always, I'll catch you guys on the next one. <laughs>